Welcome to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, and we're talking today about Romans Bible Study. Uh, We've got two more weeks. We have this coming Sunday, the next Sunday, and we've got uh, the better part of chapter eight to get through. So in our in our time together last week, we focused mostly on 8, uh, verse 1 through 11, um, pretty much just talking about the differences between living in the Spirit, living in the flesh, um, and how some of what Paul is saying here in chapter 8 actually helps us um, understand uh, what he's doing in chapter 7, the, the way he's laying out life under the law in chapter 7. And... Now in chapter eight, he's reinforcing things that he said earlier in chapter six, for instance, about how we are to live in light of our faith in Christ and the work of the Spirit within us. Um, And so he gives us the option of walking according to the flesh or walking according to the Spirit. And he uses this um, setting their minds on language. Um, In 8.5, he says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Uh, For the mind that is set is on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then verse 9, Paul says, How you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells within you. Uh, we talked about how mindset is um, its not synonymous with a term like worldview, but it is in the same neighborhood um, as a, a category like that. Um, so it's, it's a totalizing kind of way you view things, uh, what your mind is focused on, whether it's things of the spirit or things of the flesh, determines in large part how, um, how you experience life. I set this in a broader context um, um, at the beginning of our talk about uh, the difference between optimism and pessimism. And I don't mean that in the, in the sense of uh, what those words actually mean. I think we all know probably the difference between optimism and pessimism. Just those are words we use a lot. Uh, but from a totally unrelated field, unrelated book uh, that I read over the previous weekend, it talked about how... Um, we have this sort of psychological allure to pessimism. Um, it is, in some ways, it's more newsworthy. I mean, pessimistic outlooks on economics, on world events, on political things, those are uh, those are the things that make the news these days. Um, and I don't know if it's at this point we've gotten to a place where because that's what makes the news, that's something that we're attracted to, or if the fact that we were attracted to pessimistic things is part of why entertainment news capitalizes on it. Um, but in the context of the book I was reading, he was talking economically, and if you take it over the long haul, the optimists are usually right. They're not right about each and every event or each and every month on the calendar or each and every financial um Thing that might happen, but generally speaking, uh, if you, I mean, the, the example he uses, if you invest in the stock market um, in things that have a decent track record and you just leave your money there, over time you'll make money. Now, you may see dips along the way, you may see all sorts of other things in the short term, but if we're really thinking long term, optimists are correct, but for some reason we're drawn to more pessimistic outlooks. 
And so we kind of wrestled with how that might play into the way we're reading things like Romans 6, 7, and 8, where um, Paul is setting out a very optimistic take on um, how we might live according to the Spirit and f- uh, walk a certain way. And yet we're drawn towards a more pessimistic take because it, in the short term, the pessimistic take um, seems a little more plausible and even may map onto our experience a little more neatly. And so we talked about um, a little bit of how we could navigate that and just realizing that in the short term, um, setbacks are way more obvious and growth is a lot harder to spot. Uh, but taken, if you can zoom out and take the long view, growth is the more obvious thing and setbacks are less not less significant in terms of impact, but less significant in terms of your overall trajectory, if indeed you are um, filled with the Spirit and walking according to the Spirit. So with all that kind of context, we looked ahead a little bit to uh, verses 12 through 17 and what that might say to us. Uh, We talked about being children of God and how there is a sense in which as (laughs) those who walk by the Spirit and have the Spirit of God within them... um, it does place us in a new category as children of God, as sons and daughters of God who can cry out, Abba, Father. Um, And in the context of adoption in the ancient world, I think I mentioned this last week, but the idea is not so much that you're giving a home and parents to a child who is otherwise an orphan, so much as you're bringing someone into your home and family for the purpose of making them your heir and giving them your inheritance and giving them your wealth, giving them your property. And so in some ways it was, this is not what's going on here, but it was often a, could be a merit-based thing, but was not something the adoptee could earn. So it was a free choice of the adopter to choose a person to adopt and make them their heir. Um, and so that it's, it, we kind of gestured towards the, the idea of God's choice and salvation something we'll talk about a little bit more this coming week. But we stopped before we really got into the last section here, which is um, suffering with Christ in order that we may be glorified with Him, because that's kind of our pivot into this next section. So let me read this next section, just kind of comment on a few things that are going to come up that we're going to spend time on this coming Sunday. So uh, verse 18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God." For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience." Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose." 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, just to highlight, there is a lot there, but just to highlight a few things that are going to focus our time on Sunday. We will talk about the very first part of sufferings and how that connects to glorification. Um, We'll talk some about how creation was subjected to futility, what that entails. Um, You may have noticed it when I read it, but we'll talk about how adoption is something we wait for, and yet also in the previous section was something that's already happened. So there's kind of an already not yet to our adoption um, and then we're, we'll probably lean in and maybe even start in some ways with Romans eight twenty eight because that verse is so familiar. Um, oftentimes it's misquoted as we know that all things work together for good. Um, and that's actually not necessarily true. It is true what the verse actually says, which is we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. But then it goes on to define good in a specific way. So sometimes even as Christians, we can recognize all things work together for good for those who love God and kind of stop there. But then we are tempted to fill in the blanks for what the definition of good might be in a given circumstance or situation or ultimate outcome. And so we're going to look at how the rest of the passage answers the question of what the good is that all things are working together for. Um, I don't think we can spend too much time in verses 29 and 30 without having to talk about uh, divine foreknowledge, this idea that God foreknew certain things, that he predestined uh, us to be conformed to the image of his son. So we'll, we'll spend some time. We've spent a lot of time talking about justification. This week we'll get into the far ends of our salvation, which is our predestination and our ultimate glorification. So those are going to kind of be the focal points that we'll have this coming week. We won't be able to touch on everything in detail. A lot of times we read through the passage and we talk about verses that stick out to us and kind of unpack theologically what's going on there, connect it to other parts of Scripture. Um, but even with even with the time that we've had in Romans, which I've, I've enjoyed and I hope everyone else has benefited from, um, there is just so much here that we could we could very easily do this entire Bible study again and pick out different things that we didn't touch on the first time. And so there's just, I hope that's an encouragement that it's, there's a lot in scripture. There's a lot to see. There's a lot to learn. There's uh, different ways that God helps us see ourselves in the passage, see him in the passage. And so we are using what we have in Romans this time around. We'll be using Exodus in the fall. We'll be back in Romans in the spring. Um, And it's just going to be a continual process of getting better and better at reading the Bible together. And I hope that if you're part of New City, that you're able to join us this coming Sunday. Thank you.